Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey there guys, you know what I think I hate more than anything else in the world? I hate when I feel like my emotions are all over the place. I can't stand it. And truthfully, I feel, I feel like I'm actually usually pretty good on this end, uh, but I'm better than I was when I was a kid at least. I was a grumpy little teenage dude. I'm telling you, don't ask my family about how I was in the mornings. It, it wasn't good. Um, but I'm usually pretty good about it except for when my competitive, competitiveness kicks in. Uh, my competitive nature, it is undoubtedly one of my biggest downfalls. Uh, it's, it's kind of that thing that, I, that can send me into massive highs and into massive lows. Now let's put it this way, my nickname when I was on the playground as a little kid during recess, my nickname was Tornado. Because frankly, when I got mad, like I just I became this raging storm of a tornado. And, uh, but one thing that I've loved about staying at home during this whole time is that me and my oldest two daughters, we've been playing a ton of board games and card games together. And I finally actually recently, I, I splurged and I bought a game I've been wanting to buy forever. The game's called Catan. If you never played it, you gotta play it. It's just a fun game. We, my girls, my two older girls and me, we've been playing it a ton already. And there's times though when I'm playing it that my wife, she's been close to like, I think giving me a timeout. Uh, I'll be on the verge of doing something awesome to take total domination over in this game. And, my daughter Cameron, she'll roll a seven, which means I got to give her a card and, and it's going to keep me from getting certain cards and it drives me nuts. And sometimes, it's, honestly, I can't control my anger and I maybe throw a card or I throw a dice once in a while or I just yell something. And mostly it's in a joking manner. Like, it's like 30% joking, okay? Okay, it's like 10% joking. But... I always hate it when I look back at a time when I got mad competitively because I look back and I'm like, man, it's so embarrassing. Um, even sometimes the way I goof around with my kids, I'm like, okay, I, I was actually a little more angry than I should have been, for real. And I, I envy people who keep an, an even temper all the time. I envy people like my wife. She, she's just cool. She doesn't get too mad. When, and when she is, I'm usually the only one that can tell usually because I've probably said something dumb and I'm getting these cool stares from her just at the right times and the right ways that just dig into my soul. Um, but I want to be more like my wife. I want to live, I want to live life on more of an even keel when it comes to my competitiveness. And do you know that not getting too high and not getting too low, it is a prescription for life that God gives to us in the Bible. There is real value in keeping our emotions in check, staying on an even keel. And that's part of what today's passage in James chapter one is actually all about. As we continue in this series in James, and as James continues to help us to learn, to how, learn how to live right, he's got a secret to us, for us, in helping us to stay on an even path. And so what's that secret? Well, here you go. It's it, reading from James chapter one, verses nine through 11. He says, believers in hum in humble circumstances, ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. 
In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Once again, before we get any further in this, let's remember the context that James is talking to us about in this passage. He's been talking to us in past weeks here about trials and persevering in those trials so that we can become mature people. And to persevere, he said that it's going to take some wisdom. And and so he comes right out of talking about wisdom and essentially now he's telling us, don't get too high and don't get too low on yourself. Really, that is wisdom right there. Ultimately, the the humble circumstances that James is referring to in this passage is poverty. He's talking about being poor in terms of your actual money situation. In fact, he's, he's juxtaposing those in poverty with those who are rich. And I really love what he does here. It's this masterful way that he has of telling us that we need to find a way to stay on an even keel and not get too low or not get too high because of our circumstances in life. And so listen to the two things that he says. First thing is this, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Okay, so what's he really saying? Honestly, it's pretty simple. James is saying that if you're poor, don't look down on your life because of it. Take pride in the fact that you are valued in the kingdom of God, that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High. And then he goes on to say, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. And so what he's doing here is he's actually kind of reversing things up. With the poor, he brought them up. They were down. He's like, okay, you're down in life. Here's how you get up. With the rich, he's actually kind of bringing them down, but not to an unsustainable level. James is trying to get us all to, to get to this place where we're on this flat, even keel. He's saying, rich people, take pride in what Jesus has done for you, that you were in need of redemption, and Jesus actually did it for you. And I love that, that, that these, these two thoughts can always bring us back to the place where we're most healthy. When I'm too low, when I'm, I'm not feeling good about my life, I'm too low on who I am as a person, the reminder that I have this awesome and high position in God's kingdom, it actually lifts me up to this place of security and rest. But when I'm too high on how my, my life is going, when, I'm, when I've, I've begun to think that I am, I'm just a little more awesome than I really am, remembering that I am just as much in need of a savior as anyone else reminds me that I'm still in need of living in submission to God. It reminds me that I'm actually not all that great without Jesus. Remember that this discussion is all coming out of James's discussion about wisdom. This is actually part of what it takes to become wise. Finding that place where you don't think too high or too low about your position in life or, or about who you are as a person. Uh, This week, I was actually listening to part of last week's sermon from our McChesney Park campus pastor, Corey Williams, and we were preaching on the same passage last week. All of our central campus places were preaching on the same thing, and I think Corey made such an awesome point. He was saying that we all think that we know how things should be. We think that we know best about everything. It's why we get annoyed with people's views online. It's why we think that people are dumb when they have a different political view than us. It's... It's because they don't think exactly like we do. And you want to see me act stupid? Go on Facebook and, and proclaim to the world that Kobe's Lakers were better than Jordan, the Jordan's Bulls teams. Like, <laughs> um, it's not going to sit well with me. Or say that there's a wide receiver today playing in the NFL who's better than Randy Moss was. Uh-uh. Like, no way. I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to fight 
you on whatever you're saying when it comes to that stuff. I, I always think that I know best about who the best sports teams were, who the best players were, and I get stupid about it. Let's just be real, okay? What a lot of us tend to do though is we put our wisdom in a high position. We think that we are really, really rich in wisdom. I don't always, I don't always think that way, but there's plenty of times where that's exactly what I think. But guess what? If you think that you've got the corner on this wisdom thing, then like, like Corey was saying last week, you probably don't. If you think that you're rich in wisdom, that's probably an indicator that you're not actually really as wise as you might think you are. It actually might just be time for you to take pride in your humiliation, like James says. And what might that look like for you? Well, instead of spouting off at people about political things, maybe you listen to them. Maybe you actually think through their argument. Maybe then you just keep your mouth shut. But it's so hard to do that, right? Like, taking pride in my humiliation might mean that I recognize that Jesus was spit on and beaten, and all the while, he didn't raise his voice to defend himself. When Pilate was questioning Jesus, given, trying to give him a way out of being crucified, and Jesus wouldn't defend himself, Pilate was at a loss for words. It is in our nature to defend ourselves, but Jesus took on the humiliation of not defending himself. We feel the need to yell at people because we, we disagree on their take on wearing masks. Ask yourself, do you really think that Jesus would get so bent about wearing a mask to the point that it might actually detract from his ability to show somebody his love for them? You see, maybe in our misguided sense of wisdom, is it possible that we argue our point and defend our stance so vehemently about things that we've actually lost the most important conversation, the one that centers on the love that Jesus has for our neighbor? What would it look like in your everyday life to recognize that as a follower of Jesus, sometimes you just have to accept the humiliation of not defending your pride? Notice that I didn't say not defending yourself. If you're in danger, that's one thing. Protect yourself. But most of the time, we puff up our pride to such a point that it's, it's really our pride that we jump to defend. And my idea has to be right because it, I'm wiser than you. And if I don't defend my idea, then I'm letting you think that you're wiser than me. Does anybody else hate that predicament? I hate that feeling. Those of us who think that we're richer in wisdom than everyone else, we need to practice taking pride in our humiliation, which simply means taking pride in the humiliation that Jesus went through for us and aiming to be more like him. He was a servant when at the same time he was God incarnate. Like that is ultimate humiliation. He did that for you. He did that for me. And I don't, I don't have tons of money in life, but when it comes to pride, I know that it's the humiliation part of this passage that resonates with me. I have, I have too much pride and I need to remind myself that I am so messed up that I need Jesus to, to be made right. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are, there are some of us who already think more humbly about ourselves than we should. And I don't say humbly here in a good sense of the word. Uh, just like the person living in poverty has to look into their high position in the kingdom of God to find their greater value there, so the person who thinks over humbly about themselves needs to do the same thing. 
Let me say this, God did not make you weak. God didn't make you less than. God didn't make you to take a back seat to the rest of humanity. Please understand this today. We all, we all actually see pride as a great sin. When you put yourself in too high of a position in your own heart, we see that as pride. We know that's wrong, but we don't often call the opposite of that sin. Uh, when, when you look at your life and you see nothing of value, that's seen actually by some people as a virtue. But in this passage, I think it's saying to us, no, Jesus did what he did in dying for us because he sees you as something better than you see in yourself as. Uh, while pride is a sin and it's unhealthy for our spirit, the same needs to be said about degrading humility, the kind of humility where you really believe that you have no value. That is not thinking like Jesus wants you to think, plain and simple. When, when that line of thinking starts in our hearts, James says to take pride in your high position, the position that Jesus died to win for you. Now think about that for a minute. When, when you live in self-pity, you're actually denying what Jesus died to obtain for you, which is value and beauty and forgiveness and about a thousand other things. Honestly, I think James would want us to start looking at self-pity in the same way that we look at pride. It's not healthy. It's actually completely opposite of Jesus' hope for us. It's, it's not the even keel thinking that Jesus means for us to have. A self-pity is letting yourself get too low. And pride is letting yourself get too high. Both give way to spiritual, emotional, and relational destruction in our lives. I actually love what the great uh, basketball coach of, of the UCLA Bruins, John Wooden, he's actually quoted as saying, all of life is peaks and valleys. Don't let the peaks get too high and the valleys too low. And that's exactly what I think James is trying to get across here. Number one, when you're battling with self-pity, the valley of life, remind yourself of the cross and that you are valued highly in the kingdom of God. And number two, when you're battling with pride and thinking that you're more than you are, this emotional peak that's actually really a disguised valley, remind yourself that you are messed up enough that you needed Jesus to die for you, just like every other person you know. The gospel has an answer for the peaks and the valleys, but not just the emotional peaks and valleys. Those, those times where everything is going wrong, when you're literally in the valley of life, where you've got no money, you've got no friends, where your car has stopped working. The good news about Jesus is the best answer to renew your hope in those moments. But here's the thing, I think we preach that a lot. I think you've been hearing that message a lot lately. But think about the gospel. Think about what the good news of Jesus has to say for those moments where everything is going right. James really gets at it in this passage. Now, not many of us feel like that's where we're at today, where everything is going right. I mean, it's 2020, right? Everything's messed up. But you know what? We've been telling you all along that the good news speaks to you in this, in this kind of moment, in a 2020 kind of moment. I think we actually are most tempted, most tempted to forget the gospel when everything's going awesomely. Sometimes it feels like as Christians, it's almost like we kind of say, man, who needs Jesus when the weather's fine? Who needs Jesus when my bank account is slamming? Who needs Jesus when my kids are rocking at everything? I actually think that valleys draw us to Jesus because it draws us upward. We go from down and Jesus automatically brings us upward. 
But it's the peaks that can have almost the opposite effect if we're not careful. Peaks can almost draw us away from Jesus because drawing to Jesus in the peaks of life would actually require a move toward hu humiliation. In human measures, it may feel like a, a step backward to look to Jesus when everything's going right. Listen again at the end of this passage from James. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. James is reminding the reader that a rich person is only moments away from death. He's reminding us that when death comes, all of those riches fade away. There's nothing to it, no lasting value. But it's more than that what he's saying. The peaks of life, the things in this life that bring such pleasure, they're not the thing to take pride in. Those are the things that are not going to last. That even the person who has everything in life, the person who experiences every peak that there is to experience, it's a peak that's fragile and it's easily destroyed in a moment. And it's nothing in comparison to the eternal peak that God has destined for us in Jesus. No lie, there's actually a small part of me that almost hates when everything in life is going perfectly. I, I haven't experienced that in a while, thanks 2020 again, but I start to get terrified when everything is going right because it's like I just know that it's about to take a nosedive. Everything in life is about to get bad. Anybody else ever feel that inevitability at some point in their life? I remember one time I was going for a run and I was just thanking God for how awesome everything in my life was going. And all of a sudden, I was just like, oh crap, things are, things are gonna start to get really bad pretty quick because I'm thinking how awesome everything is. But here's the secret that I think that this passage in James would, is trying to kind of divulge to us. It's possible to have an even keel life where we never feel like everything is awful, nor that everything is too awesome. If we keep our eyes on the good news that we have in Jesus, we're never gonna get too low, we're never gonna get too high. The good news reminds me that I'm never so hopeless that I don't have a place in the greatest kingdom, God's kingdom. But it also reminds me that life on earth is never so perfect that I'm not in dire need of the hope that only Jesus offers. My bad days should just never get that bad. They should never delve into the hopelessness uh, that, that other people might have without Jesus as our focus. My awesome days should also just never get that awesome where I can enjoy it without Jesus and the humility that he naturally brings to my heart. Some of you, frankly, have been in a battle lately. And it's been a battle filled with depression, uh, self-pity, self-doubt. But there is hope in that place. Here's what might be hard to hear right now. Right now, you may have to look outside of this life to find your hope. The only place that I know where I can always find hope is in the cross of Jesus. It's in this eternal side of life that I can look to to find the energy to keep walking on those days where I might otherwise be walking in a valley. But the power of that eternal hope that Jesus offers, it is enough to put me up on an even ground, a solid ground, and, and I think it can do the same for you. Others of you, if you're, if you're on that other extreme, you're not in the valley, but you're on this mountaintop peak experience, let the humility of Jesus bring you the humility you need to find empathy for the people that you're living next to and that you're working next to every single day.
Your good, your good place in life right now that you're experiencing, it's a blessing. But the best blessings are eternal blessings. Here's a question. Is there a blessing in your life that you might be asked by God to forego for a greater blessing that's eternal? Is there maybe something that you're holding on to that's giving you joy in place of letting Jesus give you joy? Living life on an even keel means that my faith is steady in the hope that only Jesus has to offer me. No lack of goodness nor abundance of goodness needs to upset that hope. Uh, no, no other hope but hope that's placed squarely in Jesus is ever going to last. So my question, as we kind of close up here this morning, how are you doing today? Are you in a valley? Or are you on a mountaintop? Uh, are you back and forth every single day based on your day-to-day -day circumstances and emotions? The healthy the wise, the persevering follower of Jesus learns what it means to trust Jesus in a way where the ups and downs of life don't mean valleys and peaks in our spirit. Let's ask Jesus this morning to just give us more of this kind of balance in our spirit today. I really, I believe it and I know that he's able to get us there. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I confess that too many times in my life, <laughs> I am either on a, in a low place or on a high. Um, I let my emotions get the best of me. I let my circumstances dictate how I'm feeling. And, and, and so sometimes I'm just trudging through life and I don't see anything good about my life or about myself or, or I'm letting all these, these experiences that I'm feeling lead me to this place where I think everything's awesome and it couldn't, nothing could ever, nothing ever is gonna take me down. God, no matter which of those spots I'm in, the right place to be is in this even keel place where I'm not trusting in my circumstances, where I'm not trusting in my emotions, but where I'm trusting in you. God, teach us to trust you to bring about that even sense of where our spirit is at. Lord, let our lows never become too low. Let our highs never become too high. And for those of us who maybe are in that place where we're in a low or we're in a high, God, bring us up from that low. Remind us of that place that we have in the kingdom of God as, as sons and daughters of Jesus. Um, for those of us maybe who are in a great place, if we need humiliation brought on us today, remind us that we are messed up people in need of a savior. God, I, I thank you so much for your goodness and help us to, to get in this right, even keel kind of place this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.